Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. I always feel really proud of our group around this time of year. I feel proud of our group all the time. I think we've got a great yes. group that we get to work with every single day over at campustocanton.com. But I think this time of year really makes me proud because I think because I'm so generally so heavily involved in this project. We have our freshman and supplemental guide coming out here this week. March 1st, I believe, is our launch date. Um, we're getting, we're, we've got almost the whole guide together. You know, a few few profiles still to write, a few pieces still to uh, to be pieced together. But it's, it's really a one-of-a-kind item. Nobody else is doing it. Um, I think the quality of work is really good. I don't know. I think creating something that's so unique and so, in my opinion, high quality that we get to, you know, a lot of our members get with their memberships and they use it in their drafts and like it's something very useful for them. I don't know. I I just I feel I feel proud, probably more proud than I feel any other time of the year, except for maybe like once we get to the end of the season. But I also feel exhausted at that point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is just like pure, pure pride on the the, the project that's about to be done. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I mean, I'm not as as big of a part of the the recruiting team. I'm not as big a part of the guide as you are. So, you know, I am more like the uh, the proud uncle than the proud papa. Um, you know, but I think uh, I would agree with with a lot of that sentiment. I mean, the the freshman guide is something. You know, this is our third year doing it, and it's something you can't really find anywhere else. I mean, you can find the write-ups for these, some of these players on, on three or on two, four, seven, and you can get the opinion that, you know, from, from those guys, but it's not really like a typically not really like a fully fleshed out profile. A lot of them have been written last year. They weren't really necessarily updated to include stuff from this year. It doesn't go as in depth as we do. doesn't include a lot of the athletic data. Um, that we do. And, you know, some of our athletic data is informed by some of the, the, you know, track times and things like that that they get, but this is just, I think more in depth than of recruiting than anything you can find. And I think this is something that spans more than just college football, college fantasy football. It ain't well, by it. Well, and theirs is not geared specifically to our fantasy. So, I mean, I think right there, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's some differences right off the bat. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, it's, it's funny because when we first decided this, we wanted to do this project, uh, volume one, we really put it together quickly. I don't remember mm -hmm. exactly how we decided and how, like, but we did it in like two or three months. The team was not like, I don't think we had Matt or David, the official duo nope. with us. Uh, they might've joined like soup, like with like two weeks left. And we're like, do you guys want to write the thing? <laughs> like, I think that's, yeah. I, th I think that's how the timeline went um, because we were trying to come up with something that nobody else was doing. You know, at the time, um, Debbie watch had the Debbie guide, obviously, um, you know, we, we have a Debbie guide now, but we, you know, we were kind of looking for something different there. We have the CFF guide now, but again, you know, like CFF site and some other places had a CFF guide. We we're like a C2C guide. Like it doesn't really have like lasting whatever, mm -hmm. like it's like one year. And then the information is kind of like, a dud for a for a format that you know like you're so you're taking even longer than usual like three-year windows with some of this stuff like mm -hmm. really i mean you, you kind of have to so we we settled on this and so yeah to be done with three years now of it i think is 
is really, really cool. Hopefully, um, you know, we keep, we keep doing it quite frankly. Yeah. I don't, I don't see us slowing down anytime soon. No, I don't either. And it's a, uh, it's a fun process too. Like I get to really, this is really when I dive headfirst into these, into these freshmen, you know, I kind of dabble throughout the year um, towards the end of the year, as you guys are talking about players in the chat, I'll go look them up, check out some of the highlights and stuff, but this is when I really get to dive in. So this is a fun time of year for me. The one thing we didn't do this year during the process, and we didn't have to because we changed a little bit about how we, so we have some tools on the back end that we do <laughs> not have public right now that we eventually hope to have public. And they track a bunch of stuff. Um, obviously, the athletic data is a part of it, but we track like a production bunch of scores, stuff. charting, production charting. scores. Yeah, yeah it's, it, there, there's a lot of different stuff there. But we also, uh, Matt, big wide receiver guy, has pulled together like a um, like a yearly, like this is how many on average, like tier one players we would expect to see in a draft, like tier two, how many would go in a startup versus how many would go in a supplemental draft. And then it tells you like if you're like way too heavy on like individually as rankers on like tier two guys, tier one guys. So usually we have calls throughout the process to be like, I think everyone's too high on this guy. I think everyone's too low on this guy. And then we kind of debated and, um, you know, then spit out our list at the end. Uh, but this year we've been forced, well, not forced, but re we, we regulated that a little bit more where now you can go in and see like on, on an average year, there's like 12 tier two players. And I've got 18 guys in that category. Maybe I'm being a little generous on some grading. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not. I did fight us a little bit. I think there's one or either tier one or tier two that I've got like two or three extra guys. And I was like, it's all, it's my wide receivers and it's such a wide receiver heavy year. Like I can't, I, I can't yeah. bump them down. Um, but that's the one thing that we did change this year, I think in terms of not doing, maybe we'll bring the calls back. I, I, in the future, I don't really know. Um, but, uh, all that to say the guide launches March 1st. Um, if you want to pre-order pre-orders are going to go right up to the 29th guys. So if you purchase it, um, before, uh, we'll put the hard cutoff at noon on the 29th. That way we can cut off the promo code and get it rolled over to, or like the, the discount and get it rolled over to, uh, to, to full price. Cause it comes out around midnight ish. Um, so let's do that noon on, 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 on the 29th, you have purchase it, get 10% off. If you don't, it's $20. If you have a yearly grandfather membership, or yearly scholarship membership, you get one of our guides for free every single year with their membership. You'll get instructions to do that when the guide launches via your email. So do not purchase it ahead of time. And then our yearly uh, NIL, yearly all 22 guys, you guys get all of our guides for free. So same thing for you. Yeah, um, don't pre-order that. Yes. We haven't had anybody do that yet that I've seen. Um, so proud of you guys. The, yeah, keep up the good work, guys. Just, just be patient. On the first, you'll get it with everybody at the same time as everybody else. You'll get it for free. You'll be yep. good to go. Yep. It'll be there. All right. Shameless plug time is over. And we did talk through a our freshman ADP last week. Uh, maybe we should say that for this week and make it a freshman-centric show. I don't know. But um, what we are going to talk about tonight is ADP. We're going to have the ADP um, up on the site here within the next couple of weeks. We do have it in the background um, you know, putting all of it together. Um, I think to, it's going to go up at the beginning of March. Perfect. Um, CFF, Devi, um, C2C, and Freshman. Uh, we've got quite a number of drafts for all of them. Um, just looking here, we, it looks like we've got 
six CFF drafts. We've got two Debbie drafts. We've got five C2C startup draft mocks. And then we've got two freshman mocks as well. So PJ and, and Jared are the, the two that run all of those. They're, they're keeping those going. Uh, if you're in our Discord or follow us on Twitter, uh, we post pretty regularly uh, when we're starting a new one. We're always looking for people to uh, hop in with us, uh, help us out. Uh, and keep those going. Uh, I'm actually in one right now that I don't think is is displayed on here. Um, so um, we're going to keep the data coming. We try to get as many drafts as we can every single month to try to keep this as tight as possible. There's very wide, um, you know, kind of parameters on a lot of these drafts, really just depending on your league. Um, they, you could see a, a, a lot of variance, but we're going to try to talk about some values that we're seeing early here in the off season. I will, I think, you know, clap for our for everybody who's been participating in these i see a lot fewer awful values and a lot fewer steel values than i usually do at this time of the year so kudos to you guys um i don't know colin i mean we'll just hop right into this take a look at some of these yeah let's do it all right um i want to start i think well i want to start with the fact that the top four players are all wide receivers in the upcoming class, the top four players, according to ADP. And that's unusual. The past couple of years, we've had at least one quarterback and a lot of the times, at least two hanging around in the top five players or so. We don't get our first quarterback this year until the 10th overall player and an average ADP of 9.8. And that's Jackson Arnold, the Oklahoma rising sophomore quarterback, but the top four Colin um, and, and it's top three, our, our, our ADPs are like 1.8, 2.3, 3.3. And then the next guy's six. So like, it's really three, then one. And then kind of the rest of the draft starts as Luther Burden, Evan Stewart, Ted McMillan are the top three. And then Emeka Buka fourth. I think that's an interesting grouping. I think that does, I, I think I've seen those, those three go one, two, three, and, and pretty much all the drafts I've done. I don't know. Um, surprise you. I don't think it surprises me at all. I don't think so either. I think, you know, it's something that we've talked about a couple of different times is, you know, kind of approach to the the start of the first round, the first couple rounds, even um, in the first round. Definitely. I like to be fairly safe. Um, and these are the three and four uh, safest players. I think right now I can see all four of these guys having a role at the NFL level, being fantasy relevant. I think that there is a good chance that all four of them are first round draft picks in next year's NFL draft. So uh, at the very worst, you know, top their top 50 picks um, pretty locked in barring any catastrophic injury. So the safety of that is, has to be reassuring and, all and the top three for sure, Burden, Stewart, McMillan. You feel good about their CFF production as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Egbuka with Chip Kelly coming in with a new quarterback and Will Howard, who's a little bit more mobile. Um, I feel I don't feel quite as good about Emeka Egbuka's production as I would most years where with Ohio State's wide receivers, but I still think he's going to be a guy that you can play. Um, for for cff purposes in most weeks so you get a little bit of the double dip value there so i i agree with our our smart drafters right now taking these guys top four 
Yeah, I think, you know, even more so in these kinds of drafts, like in the college side of things, like you can't, I think it hurts a lot worse to take a guy who is really risky and ends up really, really busting over a guy who ends up going, you know, the 40th overall pick in the NFL draft. Like, okay, sure. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe a Buka goes, goes, you know, pick 41 next year, but you didn't take, you know, a, 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 let's use, I don't know. I mean, this year's, you didn't take, you didn't, you didn't push to take a quarterback. You didn't take Drew Alar, Penn state who ends up not getting any better this year. That feels a little you know? personal. And I, I like him too, Colin. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but we'll, we'll, you know, or Connor Wegman, if you want to make it less personal, you take Connor Wegman, Texas A&M quarterback. You say, I just really like the talent. He doesn't click at A&M this year. And now you've kind of wasted that pick. That That's a, that's a, tough one and i don't know that swinging for the fences early in these drafts is really the way to win them and it sounds silly because you have 45 rounds in a typical c2c draft to you know 44 more to make up for that one and i'm sure you certainly will hit on some other picks but that those early ones if you can hit you know ask ask people who went dju at the 102 a couple years ago how they feel right now because they were shooting for that upside um i think you know they're probably looking at the guys who went behind them uh, in those drafts right behind it would have been Keishon Boutte. You know, you also whiffed on that one. I don't, I don't know that the process was wrong at the time on that, but you, you, you probably skipped on um, Spencer Rattler. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably also skipped on uh, George Pickens. Mm-hmm. You probably skipped on, you definitely skipped on George Pickens. Um, You know, maybe like a, a freshman B John Robinson or even a second year B John Robinson. You, you might've skipped out on Jimmy mm-hmm. Gibbs. Um, You know, there, there's definitely some guys there that, that, would have felt a lot better if you had them today than DJU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, um, at that point in time, guys like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave yeah, would have been you. along in that group too. Um, I was trying to think if Waddle would have been in that group. Maybe. I think that, I think Waddle was probably a year before DJU was like the. Yeah, I think he was. I think he was. But yeah, either way, I mean, there was plenty of, plenty of talent that um, you would have missed out on had you gone QB there. And, and oddly enough, Based on the way he ended his freshman year, you probably would have felt pretty good about DJU there. I mean, I know I there was a league where I took him in. I think I took him at like the 102. Um, you know, I, I think DJ or I think Bijan went 101, and then um, Gibbs went or um, and, and then DJU went 102 to me or, or a top three pick. So like I I fell into that, you know, and it's it's very easy to to feel good about a quarterback and then have the bottom fall out on them. Um, I typically am a little more aggressive with quarterbacks and even I'm sitting here and advocating like do not take these quarterbacks early. There are very few that I would take in the first round. Yeah, I don't think I would take any of the quarterbacks in this year's first round. I, that's actually a lie. I think after a certain point, Jackson Arnold, um, you know, Nico, Nico. Uh, I think are probably pretty good investments. Um, yeah, I, th- I think those might be the only two guys that I would consider there um, uh, in the first round. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I don't want to. Oh, go ahead. I was just say I, I like Wegman, Wegman too. Um, I would consider him right there with um, Nico and Jackson Arnold, uh, but he is definitely more riskier um, because he doesn't have as much time. Um, whereas Nico, if he has a little bit of an up and down year, or Jackson Arnold has a little bit of an up and down year, you might see them fall a little bit but kind of in the same way that drew alar did where you know he's still hovering around top 10 top 12 qb for most people so it's not a crater 
whereas Wigman could the bottom could fall out on him pretty pretty good. I did think I would get a better discount this offseason on Nick Singleton. And according yeah. to our early data here, now this could shift and it does happen where a lot of times some of these early ones, if you're doing some of these drafts, you can see some people like, you know, we, I know pretty much all the people that are doing these drafts, like their members or their people that, you know, I know from Twitter or, or whatever else. I recognize 98% of the names that hop into these. And you definitely always know if either a, a person that you've never seen before does one of these or it's somebody who just has a reputation like they're kind of still looking at last year's list in March. And then, you know, as the offseason goes on, their their list kind of catch up, catches up. So maybe that's what's happening here. But I really thought Nick Singleton would be like a mid-second kind of guy after he was a little bit disappointing last year. He looked really bad catching the ball. Like, I actually, I that that is like a legitimate concern. Like, he has stone hands. I don't know what his deal is with that, but he can't catch, like, at all. Um, but I thought if I could start getting him, like, mid-second, I would be all over Nick Singleton. And I still think we'll see what happens. Maybe he slides. He kind of felt like last offseason Luther Burden to me where everyone was like, you know, there's issues here. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess there probably are one or two issues, but like that's when you get discounts on players if you can kind of scope those guys out. And I do feel like Singleton's that guy. And I would be interested to see like what the variance is. I'm going to try to look and see real quick about where he's going across all these different leagues. Yeah, I think the thing with Nick Singleton is I would agree. I would have thought that there'd be a little bit more value there, but I think with just the the running back position right now as a whole being pretty unsettled, and then you had a guy who everybody was regarding as one of the top guys, if not the top guy in Quinshawn Judkins, going to Ohio State and now sharing the backfield with our current RB1 and Travion Henderson, RB1 in the ADP. So, you know, there I think Quinshawn has fallen down a, a little bit, and that has kind of helped to elevate Singleton. And I don't necessarily think it's bad to keep Singleton up there. Uh, I kind of have him still in that RB3, RB4 range because um, I do like his potential with Anthony Kotelne- or Andy Kotelnicki, but I, I agree. I, I've thought perception on him started to swing, uh, and we might still see it drop, but it has not dropped as far as we thought it would. Yeah, um, so that'll, that'll be a name that I'm monitoring here uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks as you know we'll get you know double the amount of drafts that we have and see i actually think we have some not mocks i think we have like some startup data about the flow through as well oh those do you see a little bit different stuff in startups because Mm -hmm. you're actually putting money on the line so um a little little less experimental um i don't know i'm i'm looking around here calling just some early values that stand out to me that i think really really risky eugene wilson yeah. Uh, on average, going is the 205, a second year Florida receiver, um, kind of a yak specialist there. Uh, figures to probably be the wide receiver one in that offense after Ricky Williams. Or, yeah, Ricky Williams. Jeez. <laughs> Ricky Pierce. <laughs> uh, I saw Florida team. I said it hurt Ricky. It's late. And, it's and late. We, went, we went Ricky Williams. We went Ricky Williams. Um, yeah. So he, he's kind of expected to step in there. Um, that that that's the the one of the the few early ones that really stands out to me is I think is not great value. Do you have another guy here in the top twenty to thirty or so players that stands out to you is just uh, a little too early for like like the player hate the value probably for with a lot of these early guys. I I'd have a hard time looking through the top fifty and being like this dude sucks. Why is he even in? Yeah, yeah. I think the, one of the big things that stands out to me right now is Ali Gordon uh, going off the board 
at the 201 is currently where he's um uh his adp is but it's the uh 11th player off the board rb4 um that just kind of goes to show you the the variance that we get there is an adp of like 13 um uh so it's not in every draft but i think that is still higher than i would have expected for ali gordon look i know he crushed down the stretch in cff last year um I expect him to be a top 10 running back for CFF again this year as well. Um, I mean, the Oklahoma State running backs, it seems like it's hard for them to capture the same magical season the following year. We saw it um, from guys like Chuba Hubbard. Um, Jalen Warren um, was another one. I'm trying to remember there was another guy there at Oklahoma State as well. But, you know, they have like one fantastic year and then it's just a little bit little bit disappointing the following year not bad but a little bit disappointing and i think we could see that out of ali gordon uh, especially with oklahoma state going out and, and bringing in aj green in the transfer portal too who's you know a, a fairly dynamic player he's a guy that i think will get on the field and then i also with ali gordon i don't see a high-end nfl future for him um so that value feels a little high for me i would probably look at it at a wide receiver there in that range or Quinchon Judkins who they have the exact same ADP right now. Um, but I would probably look in one of those directions instead. The beauty of having being, being so early in the off season here is that one draft can move a player a little bit one way or the other. Ollie Gordon, here's where he's been selected overall, like not amongst running backs overall mm -hmm. across all of our drafts so far. 26th, 14th, 11th, uh, not ring, not complete yet. So not being factored in. And then first, mm. first is first. And I, the, I know the draft that he went first in, and it was somebody who is heavily in a CFF player is not much mm. of a C2C player. So, okay. um, and I believe he actually also might be the person that took him 11th. So, <laughs> That person has been in two drafts and they've just been a, a big Ollie Gordon okay. lover in a month. I think that probably levels out a little bit okay. where you probably see him closer to the between somewhere between 14 and 26 than you would see him uh, right around, you know, top 11, 12. Does that make you feel better? Yeah, that does make you feel a little better. Okay. Like I said, I, I don't hate Ollie Gordon. Don't hate the player there. And I think, you know, he'll have a role in the NFL. Will he lead a backfield? I don't know. But uh, that just felt felt very, very early. Uh, some other interesting names here at the beginning, Colin. Uh, we see our first freshman come off the board, um, and I am a big believer in investing in freshmen. If you have a late first round, early second round pick at the turn, at least one of those picks being freshman, if you can swing it, because you are most likely not picking an established talent at that spot. There's a handful of those every year, and they're probably all gone. And then you're starting to pick through the guys that like might have like a small issue with their profile. They could lose a decent amount of value depending on, you know, who it is. But if you're taking a freshman, a lot of times those guys are only going up going into year two. That's not always, but I would say over 80% of the time, that's kind of what happens with a lot of these guys. So first freshman off the board right now, is Micah Hudson, Texas tech wide receiver, who's going uh, average ADP of 13.8. But Jeremiah Smith is right there with him. The freshman wide receiver going to Ohio State of 14.3. We talked about both of those guys a little bit last week in the context of uh, supplemental drafts. So really, you know, pick 
12 to 15, those guys are both going in that range. And I think that's a steal. I would honestly be really tempted if Nico's off the board, if Jackson Arnold's off the board, um, and I had like the 12th pick and they're both sitting there, I might just double tap freshman wide receivers and say, boom, and be really, really happy with that. What do you think about that strategy? I don't hate it. I don't. Um, I'm not quite as, as freshman aggressive as you are. I, I think we at C2C as a whole are more freshman aggressive than a lot of other uh, places out there are who give or giving C2C, Debbie advice. Um, we are advocates for fresh for, for taking freshman early if you believe in the player. And I believe in Hudson and, and Jeremiah Smith. Um, and I would actually lump Ryan Williams in that, who's uh, going currently as the wide receiver 10, but he's going uh, an average of 14 spots lower. So that could have been a, a result of him not committing yet. And then there being a little bit of fluctuation. Is he going to Bama? Is like, where is he going? Um, so I expect him to rise up a little bit closer to where you're seeing Hudson and Smith go. But as far as double tapping both of them at the turn, I don't hate that at all. I think with Hudson, at Texas Tech, we talked about it. There's a, a very real chance that he could lead them in receiving this year. Um, and Jeremiah Smith is the number one overall player in the class as a wide receiver going to Ohio State. Um, alpha size, good athleticism. Like there's just a lot of checked boxes there. So I I think they're they're both good picks there. Let's circle it now, Colin. The best value on the board right now, if you if Micah Hudson and Jeremiah Smith have an average, you know, on average, you have to spend the two by the 202. They're both off the board. The best value currently on the board then is Alabama freshman Ryan Williams. Changed my mind. Mm -hmm. He's going on average at an ADP of 27.7 overall around the 304, a full round at least later than those guys for a player that I don't think is a full round worse than both of those guys um that's that's really nice value if you end up getting ryan williams i can tell you right now i probably wouldn't let ryan williams fall past like the 206 if i was in a draft and some guys that are in the middle of the second right now justice haynes the alabama running back trevor Etienne, the georgia running back who i actually in the mock we're doing right now i took trevor Etienne at like the 10 or 110 i think um I, I you know i would take probably take both of those guys over him but then other than that you're looking at Devin neal ashton genty quinn ewers drew alar eugene wilson i don't I, i'm not i'm not taking any of those guys over him i quite frankly i just think that uh that's a sprint to the podium type selection yeah yeah i would agree with that and and i kind of wonder like i said if that's not due to some like some of the first draft or two of this where Ryan Williams is going a little bit later because there's still some uncertainty about where he's going, uh, where he was going at the time, like Alabama, Auburn, whatever. Uh, so, cause there are three drafts in here from like the end of January. So I expect him to rise a little bit, but no, I can't, I can't argue with that. If, if, if Ryan Williams is sitting there anywhere, like you said, past like two Oh six, but definitely down into the third round. Um, that's a great value, and I would take him over a lot of the players that you named there. Looks like 34th, 22nd, 27th, 29th for okay. Ryan Williams. So, wow. um, you know, that 34th, probably an outlier. Um, if we were able to do like hundreds of these, maybe we'd be able to go through and kind of filter out the ones like that are 
kind of like they do for like what Olympic ice skating, where like the lowest score and the highest score don't get factored in. Is that is that a thing? Mm, I think. Uh, I think they do it for right. gymnastics too. I think they do it for like any of those um, like competitions. They're like mm. you know they're not they're not like they're judged. They're not. There's no like mm. you know finish line or goals scored or anything like that. Uh, the tally up a winner. Um, so yeah, that'd be interesting. You know, if you took out the 34 um, and took out the 22, you know, then he's around. I think that's that kind of settles him into his range right now, but I'd be interested to see, you know, three months from now if that's uh, what he ends up looking like there. Um, outside the top couple of rounds here, Colin, just looking at some other ones here, you start seeing some some quarterbacks come off the board here, like late third, early fourth. Seems to be a range for a lot of these guys with question marks. Um, Dylan Rayola, Arch Manning, Carson Beck. That's actually way too cheap for Carson Beck right now. Uh, DJ Lagway, Jackson Dart. Shador, Dante Moore, those guys are all kind of going late third through the fourth. Uh, is that kind of the sweet spot you think for quarterbacks? And even a little bit after them, Dylan Gabriel, Malachi Nelson, Lenora Sellers, Aiden Childs start start going as well. Yeah, I think there's a pretty a pretty flat tier uh, of quarterbacks, uh, and it's a pretty big tier. So yeah, I think that's late third, early fourth, probably looking like the sweet spot for quarterbacks right now. Some of your drafts people might be taking quarterbacks a little bit earlier than that. Quarterbacks do have a tendency to get their value inflated a little bit. But I think in that range, you're going to end up with somebody that you feel just as good about as a guy who was taken, you know, maybe in the back half of the second because they're a quarterback and their value got inflated there or whatever, you know, like a a Quinn Ewers. Like I don't feel any – worse about any of those guys like Rayola, Manning, Beck, Lagway, Dart, than I do Ewers. I think they're all pretty comparable. And instead of reaching, you're kind of taking a guy at the bottom of the tier, like we've talked about before. So yeah, that feels like the range I'm probably looking at quarterbacks. And I don't want to force that either too. If, if quarterbacks are going early, there's not. this isn't the year to force it on quarterbacks. Just be patient. I, I am thinking that that that's that's all really really good value like i i usually am if i don't have a top two pick and there's not a caleb williams or a drake may essentially sitting there i'm probably not really taking quarterback in the first 10 plus rounds i'll I'll just sit and wait but i think that presents some really interesting value where this year if i'm drafting i'm i'm thinking about pulling the trigger on any of those guys there i mean rayola manning beck lagway Dart a little less. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's more like my QB 15 to 17 than he is QB 10, which is what he's coming off the board now. But I think that's really good value for a lot of these guys. Um, you know, if you, if Lenore Sellers is going, you know, middle of the fifth, Jaden, Aiden Childs going beginning of the sixth, Julian Sayan, that's a really interesting one going at the 78th overall pick on average. Cameron Ward right behind him, um, basically same exact ADP. I think those are really, really interesting values that I could be convinced to take at least one of on my way through if they do hold true. Maybe not two. That might be a little risky for me, but maybe snagging one of those guys in there. Um, not a bad strategy. Yeah, especially if you make it one of the guys that you feel um, like they're going to have some sort of CFF value for you there. Like I think um, Jackson Dart is going to have uh, a nice year in the CFF purposes this year. They're going to be more pass-focused, I would assume, than than they have been over the past years when they had Judkins to lean on. Um, you know, So if you want to take him in that range, Carson Beck wasn't great for fantasy purposes, but he was at least consistent. Um, 
you know, so you you have a guy you can roll out there as a starter if you really need to. Dylan Rayola, maybe not year one, but eventually I think he'll be uh, fantasy relevant there. So, you know, if you can maybe double dip, find a way to do that. Um, I don't think that's the worst idea. If you have Rayola and Beck sitting there, Colin, I'm not asking you to pick one right now necessarily as we're sitting here, but uh, depending on which one you pick, would that in, would that would that uh, change how you approach um, the rest of your co- college quarterback position, and then what you do on the NFL side if we're drafting this college side at first? Because you know we, we've got two sides here, and it is. I mean, it's not two rosters. It's one big roster, really, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about yeah. it. You, I, I never try to force up, you know, I, oh, I don't have any QBs. I got to draft a quarterback. I don't have any running backs. got to draft a running back. We just, on average, kind of draft good players. But quarterback is a little different in the sense that quarterback tends to be, from a value perspective, kind of siloed. Like, a lot of time you're trading quarterback mm-hmm. for other quarterback. In some shape, or, you know, there might be other pieces involved in there. But the, the heart of those deals tend to be quarterback, other quarterback. So you kind of have to have either be fine on the NFL side and not be worrying about it, or at least one or two like intriguing trade pieces slash developmental pieces in the pipeline. So if you take Beck, does that mean that you are more willing to rule with maybe two NFL quarterbacks for a year until he gets there? Whereas if you took Rayola, maybe you're shooting for three. I mean, how would that change at all your your mind as you're kind of working through uh, the the rest of a draft? And would it, would you draft other upside? You know, would you take Julian Say and then later if you took Rayola? Uh, I don't. I don't think Beck or Rayola right now are the, are the quality of prospect that is going to influence what I do on the NFL side. I want to have two quarterbacks that I feel good about for the next five ish years because, you know, typically we talk about two to three year windows for dynasty, and that's pretty standard across the industry, but. That's also because you get a rookie pick and you can take a number of different rookies. If you have anywhere between the 101 and the 105 this year, you could, you could end up with probably with the 105, you're looking more like Jaden Daniels, but you could end up with a quarterback that you feel like could be somebody that could take over that room for you. Um, and you don't have to have the 101 necessarily per se. So you have a little bit more flexibility there because you it's a it's a rookie pick. You can take whoever you want. Within a C2C league, your pipeline is kind of predetermined unless you're making trades for guys, but that can get you know difficult for the quarterback position. So if Rayola or Beck miss, then you're kind of back to the drawing board and you don't want to be stuck with aging guys at the quarterback position at the NFL. So I always like to have, I like to feel good about my NFL quarterback position for the next five ish years. Um, So no, that doesn't influence what I'm going to do on my NFL side. Now on my college side, it might a little bit in that if I'm taking Rayola, I might roll the dice on a guy like a Jackson dart um, a little earlier, a guy like a cam ward, who has some flaws, but he has some buzz as well for the NFL. We might see something like that. Like maybe I'm taking Cam Ward at his ADP in the seventh there if I'm taking, um, you know, like Rayola. So that way I can have somebody in the meantime where I'm not waiting to see what happens with Rayola and I just am, am floating in the wind in the meantime. So that's 
maybe how that would influence my decision a little bit later, but the answer is not too much. Yeah, I think it would probably, I I'd probably think a little more of Beck than you do. So I'd probably be a little more okay with taking two NFL quarterbacks and thinking that Beck could be my third guy in a year. Um, Rayola. Yeah, I mean, Rayola is the kind of guy where if I draft him this year, I'm probably going to try to trade him pretty much immediately, see what I can fish around and get. Uh, might not be successful, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to be worth a shot, especially because there are some folks out there not saying it's right or wrong, but declaring him as, you know, kind of a Caleb Williams-esque uh, prospect from a value perspective. Not sure I'm quite on that same uh, page in terms of, of what I would value him at. Um, it's funny. Cam Ward, I, I took him in the eighth round in the draft we're doing right now. Um, yeah, that feels, feels all right. With that. Yeah, that feels pretty good. As my QB1. So yeah. um, I, I like that quite a bit. Um, we can do a show on quarterback draft strategy sometime. I, I find it really interesting. Um, we definitely differ on that front. We do. We do. Um, some names that are standing out to me, Colin, in like the seventh and eighth rounds. And I, I want to just say, like, I think these are values. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Right now, Squirrel White, Tennessee wide receiver, on average, an ADP of 79, wide receiver 25 off the board. That feels very cheap to me. I, I think I would probably take him a little bit higher than that. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I I would agree with that. I have Squirrel White. So if we're, we're looking just at rankings, I do have Squirrel White as my uh, wide receiver 29. So I 25, if you're just looking at it, would be a little bit rich. But um, I also think that rankings doesn't don't necessarily reflect exactly how I draft. They're pretty close, but there's definitely some wiggle room there. So wide receiver 25 off the board in the, you know, middle of the seventh round feels, feels good for Marquarius white. I think that Nico can help to uh, revitalize that passing attack in a way that Joe Milton, you know, really wasn't able to this year. So I'm a little more bullish on, on that. So I'm, I'm still I'm I'm still in on Macquarius White, so I like that range. Um, what about uh, Eric Singleton, George Tech wide receiver? We mentioned him a couple weeks ago as a guy that his underlying uh, stats are actually pretty good. The kind of players that he's uh, in there around after a true freshman season at Georgia Tech included a lot of NFL some 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 busts, but a. a, a a lot of really good NFL players too. Uh, wide receiver 26, 87 ADP. Too, yeah. too high, too low. That really surprises me that he's that high. Like I didn't think he had that much buzz around him. Like I thought we were sitting here and we're like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to be high on Eric Singleton as he's like our wide receiver 40. You know, he's going off the board of, as wide receiver 26. Um, that feels high to me. I, He's my wide receiver 24 for the record. So I actually okay. have two spots higher than this. Yeah, that that feels high to me. I think at this point, at least, he's kind of one-dimensional. Um, I don't know that I see him being a significantly better NFL player than guys who are going after him. Um, there's a number of, of freshmen uh, that I think could get up into into that range because we talked about this is a pretty good uh, wide receiver class for freshmen. But, you know, guys like Jeremy Bernard, Dean Key, 
Tyler Brown. Um, I haven't, I'm not even ready to give up on Malik Benson yet. Um, so those are all guys who are going rounds later than him. And Jeremy Bernard kind of like, uh, what's like seven ish picks after that. But like a lot of those guys going rounds later that I would much rather over Singleton. So I don't, I don't, I don't hate taking Eric Singleton there. That's just a little rich for my blood. Um, Jade Knott going off the board, RB 29, 91st overall. Um, too high, too low. Yeah, that feels like a value. Um, honestly, I I think that having him that you have like a pretty safe production, like pretty predictable production, like you're gonna have games where you can play him and he's gonna blow up. And you're gonna have games where it's against tough competition and you know don't start him. So that's has value in and of itself on the CFF side. On the NFL side, I am not quite as high on him as some others are for NFL purposes, but I he I think he gets drafted. I think he's probably like a, a fourth round type guy right now. Uh, and those guys, he's the type of guy who all he needs is a shot. And I think he could provide some, you know, RB2, RB3 value for your NFL side. So given that, I think that that's a, a pretty, pretty good range for him. I'm trying to pull up the specific draft that he he went in the 140s in a draft and i'm trying to figure Ooh. out exactly what happened there so i'm i'm quickly i think i found the draft yeah he went 142 overall i'm just wondering if people forgot about him quite frankly i mean players that went above that went in front of him that that had no business going in front of him uh derwin burgess Xavion thomas trevante citizen Jaheim White, Marcus Carroll, Mark Fletcher, Jalen Buckley, Basil Tootin. The heck? Everyone in this draft was drunk. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand what happened here. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, it's even at, even at some of the other, um, I just pull up where he's gone in all of his drafts so far. So Ott so far has gone uh, 67th, 80th, 142nd, 75th. That's, I mean, it's still, I think the 75th is kind of low for where I would expect him to be going here uh, toward the you know middle end of the off season. So that feels really, really good to me at that, at that value for sure. Yeah. I, uh, okay. I don't, I wouldn't say really good, but it feels good. <laughs> oh, does it? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, Let's talk some of the CFF players, Colin, you know, quote unquote CFF only and where they start to come off the board. I, I always find this really interesting. So it looks like for quarterback, we start seeing the, 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 the CFF only guys come off the board around pick 100. In that range, you see Byron Brown, Caden Salter, um, you know, depending on how you feel about guys like Noah Fafita, Jalen Milrow are both in there. Miller Moss, what does he become? I don't. We don't really know yet. That could be a value, could not be. Um, Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson, I think we all think is probably mostly CFF kind of a running value. back playing quarterback yeah. at the moment. And we, we don't know. We don't have enough information to say that for sure. But I mean, that that's where you start seeing some of those, you know, elite long-term CFF options. Thomas Castellanos is 160th. Um, and that's probably hurt a little bit just by the Bill O'Brien stuff until we figure out what's going on there. Um, I don't know. I mean, does that feel right to you? I, I, it's interesting to me. 
Yeah, I think if you're talking quarterbacks in that range, um, Byron Brown, Caden Salter in the ninth round feels a touch early, but I would take those guys before I would take. Um, I think Fafita is being hyped up a lot right now. This is the like he had a good year last year, but even as good of a year as he had last year for fantasy purposes, it wasn't stellar you know like i don't think that there were very many weeks if any where he finishes a qb1 i don't have that data pulled up here in front of me i probably should have but you know from a cff perspective like he's solid not great from an nfl perspective he's a little undersized um you know which isn't great and there's like a whole new scheme change there jed fish is gone they're bringing in um, the guy from san jose state whose name's escaping me right now brennan um, so that's a whole, a whole new situation. I think that's a little high for me there. Same with Avery Johnson. Like you talked about, I think we kind of think he's like a running back playing quarterback right now, which could be great for CFF, but like, I don't know that I see a long-term NFL future there at this point, you know, you never want to knock players and say they can't develop Miller Moss being kind of inflated by one bowl game, um, against a team that didn't have all of its best players um, on defense. So if, if you make me take a CFF option in there, Byron Brown, Caden Salter feel very safe and they each have more than one year left. Now Salter up to the portal. What's he going to do? Who knows? Byron Brown portal crazy. Who knows? But you're at least going to get production from them. I don't want to look at uh, CFF only is a little more difficult for running back to determine right now, just because I think, you know, pretty much any running back that makes an NFL roster, you know, could take it over at any point in time. You're looking at undersized small school guys, essentially that we start lumping in there. So I don't want, I don't want to toss out too many of those names, but if you go over and look at like wide receiver, looking at some CFF only quote unquote names there, uh, you start getting pretty deep into this before uh, Mm -hmm. you hit a lot of those guys. So I think people are really trying to hit, Debbie this year, I mean, depending on what you think about Squirrel White, he's the first guy, wide receiver 25, and I think there probably is some late day three upside with him. You start seeing, you know, Jalen Royals, the Utah State wide receiver, wide receiver 44. Uh, Trey Harris at Ole Miss is wide receiver 41. Tej Johnson, I don't, I don't really know what to make of Tej Johnson right now. He's wide receiver 38 at Oregon. Um Let's see who else is in this range. Derwin Burgess. Derwin Burgess is wide receiver 54. Like you really start getting down here. Um, Xavier Restrepo, uh, wide receiver 57, probably CFF only. Sean Atkins, your guy, USF, wide receiver 61. That's an interesting group. I would expect some of those guys to be going up into maybe the 30s. Um, I think all those guys are values right now before we start kind of locking in some of the, uh, you know, oh, the CFF season's right around the corner. I'm going to actually need to score some points. Yeah, I expect these guys to climb a little bit up um, as the offseason goes on. And I expect some of the um, longer shot Debbie type guys, uh, the the year one zeros who, you know, in this range, um, Brandon Ennis is going off the board uh, far too early. Um, He's going off the board in the middle of the early fifth round right now. I think that's too high. Um, I think that'll come back down. Uh, I think you're you're seeing some other guys like Ryan Wingo is a guy that we're a little worried about. He's going in the ninth round. Nick Marsh, uh, that surprises me that he's going 
at the end of the ninth round. He's a freshman going to Michigan State. Um, Mike Matthews, freshman going to Tennessee. Mylon Graham, freshman going to Ohio State. Jerry on Dickey, a year one zero at Oregon. So I think though that group of guys, I think as the offseason goes on, are going to start shifting down a little bit more and a little bit more. And you're going to start seeing some of those CFF guys that are currently values climb back up. Like you said, as, as it gets closer to the season, people start thinking a little bit more about, okay, I need to actually score points. And like you touched on earlier in the episode, when it's an actual startup and you got money on the line, you are thinking a little bit more about how am I going to score this season for CFF, where in a mock like this, you're probably not. So I would expect those guys to rise. There's also a lot of uncertainty. You know, I think I would, I would actually, though, that would make me think that this early in the off season, again, these are mocks, but if this, if I was like actually doing a startup today, I might actually be more inclined to take, actually, I miss Tory Horton, who's going as wide receiver 19. Yeah. He's really the, the official kickoff of the, you know, quote unquote, CFF only guys. I might be more tempted to take a, a CFF guy a few picks earlier than maybe I would, because I'm not, I'm not feeling that confident once I get to round, you know, 20 that I can nail down some really good names today in yeah. July, I would probably feel a lot better about doing that. Um, so my strategy this early in the year, and I, I, I'm not sure it's being reflected right now is actually would probably flip some of these and I'd, pro I'd probably be taking Tory Horton, you know, 58 average ADP of 58.5 actually feels right for him. Maybe, maybe a little bit earlier than that. I, I would, I would take a swing. Um, you know, I looking at, um, trying to pick out some guys here that, that, you know, we just named Xavier earlier. Rishep, James I mean, Xavier Restrepo. Restrepo would not, him. yeah, would not make it to wide receiver 57 for me. Um, you know, Royals wide receiver 44. I'd probably take him around wide receiver 32 to 35. Um, you know, all, all these guys probably jump them up 10, 15 spots. The, the, the top obvious names, Ricky white, wide receiver 70. Woo. That's, that is a value there, folks. That's, that's, um, that's really, really good. Um, some of some of these guys I think are, are, are really nice values right now. The Oklahoma state duo, uh, it looks like Rashad Owens, the first one off the board at wide receiver 78. I would take him significantly earlier than that. Joey Hobart, 82, Pfeli Eschlock, wide receiver 83. Um, Colin Lacey at Louisville. I, I kind of expect him to be their lead guy wide receiver 89. Um, there's, there's a lot of interesting names down here. I'd probably, your guy, Will Pauling's a wide receiver 97. I'd probably cut all those numbers in half. You know, Hobart, wide receiver 41. I'd probably think about it. I'd probably think about it at this time of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Colin Lacey, a guy you said, like, that surprised me that he was going that low. Um, you know, I think I would cut that one in half for sure at 80, wide receiver 89. Um, and then you, a guy, you, you started naming guys in that range, but, um, Kevin Coleman going off the board at wide receiver 100. Uh, I talked about him earlier in the offseason uh, as a good fit in Jeff Levy's offense, and they brought him in. There's not really much else there in, in Mississippi State. So I think I would probably cut that one in half too, honestly. I think that's a good, uh, a really good value right now at wide receiver 100. Mississippi State's a tough one for me right now. And they talked a little bit about coaching changes last week on chasing the natty. And they were kind of like, I, that, that roster might just be so bad that it's an off season too early to be buying. Now, I think when people as a whole have that mindset, may, maybe there is going to be some value to be had, you know, if everyone's like, Oh, it's too, it's a year too early. I'll think about that next off season. And you're running what Blake shaping out there at quarterback every week. I don't know that the offensive line is, 
particularly good. Um, so maybe maybe there is value to be had there. I I I'm I'm I keep going back and forth on whether I think this offense can produce like anything that's going to be interesting at all this year. Um, maybe maybe not. Any I think back, that's very okay. fair. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I can see both sides. Uh, any running back stand out to you, Colin? I know we kind of just talked like CFF only mm-hmm. guys at, at quarterback wide receiver. So running back, any just like values stand out to you once you start getting, you know, into the 20s, 30s, 40s, deeper into these drafts here at that position? Yeah, I think RJ Harvey going off the board at RB63 is is wild to me, um, given how yeah. he finished the year. CFF uh, folks seem a lot higher than than I think. Uh, you know, less CFF inclined C2C players. And I'm wondering if some of that's because the, in our mind, TD rate seems a little unsustainable, mm-hmm. but the CFF folks from what I've heard Jared talk about it, for instance, they do not seem to necessarily think that way. So I think that's interesting. I think even if you bake that in RB 63 is, is yeah. a screaming value. Sure. Um, and then I think in that same range, you know, RB 71 Malik Sherrod at Fresno state, um, Tedford is, is back, right? I know he stepped away at the end of the season, I think was health reasons, but from what I understand, he's back. So I would expect that offense to stay the same. And then you have Mario Anderson going off at RB 72 South Carolina transferred to Memphis. I like that addition a lot. Um, Nate was talking about it in the slack. I think it was Nate, uh, where he mentioned Brandon Thomas's touchdown rate last year. And that, you know, could have been a, a result of Blake Watson being a little bit smaller. I don't think Mario Anderson's going to have that same problem. So I could see Mario Anderson having more touchdowns, although obviously not nearly as good of a receiver as Watson. But I think that's a really good value. And Kentrell Bullock at South Alabama. I know they lost their head coach. There's some turnover there, but I think that Kentrell Bullock at RB73 is a pretty good value there too. So there are their their new head coach is their former OC. So yes, you would think there's some continuity there. Yes, yes. Um, so I, I think those are are four names that stand out to me right now. What yeah, about you? I, You've been firing at me here. How about you? Give some yeah. takes. Yeah, yeah. Give me some takes. Oh man. Well, I was picking out names <laughs> specifically, thinking, hoping that you would say yes. I thought that was obvious in terms okay. of you know, is this too high? Is this too low? Um, okay. sure. I, I think the running backs right now are kind of flipped. <laughs> Like there's a lot of guys in like the 30 range that I straight up just wouldn't take in that range, even though I might like them as players. You know, I, I Jadon Blue is because he finished the season so well. I think the hype has gotten a little beyond where it should be because of the priors that we had after mm-hmm. going into kind of his freshman year. Um, I, I think you know in the RB 20 to 20, a uh, 20 to 30 range, you know, he sticks out as a guy that I think is probably too uh, or probably really bad value. I go back and forth and fill Maffa who's right behind him at RB 27. I don't think Phil Moff is a bad running back. And I think he's obviously got like the size and some other things, but I do think that he's, I think he's a little clunky as a, as an athlete. So I am not quite as high on him. Like long-term what is Clemson's? I mean, they might just lean on, they might run him 300 times or whatever this year, uh, depending on what, how the rest of that offense looks. I think that's really interesting. Um, but I, then I find like in the 40s and 50s, you know, TJ Harden uh, is in there. LaQuint Allen's probably gotten a little too cheap now at RB42. Abu Sama at Iowa State, I think, is pretty cheap. Um, some other guys even that I like in that, like I think Parker Jenkins at Houston's pretty good. Nathan Carter could be excellent for Michigan State this year. 
though. Running backs you mentioned, I think, are all excellent value. Dylan Sampson, the Tennessee running back, he could be the leading rusher this year. I, I find him to be very, very interesting in that range. Um, so I think, I think just if if this list is what's going to be happening, I think my strategy this year is probably going to be if I can hold off on some running backs and C two C startups outside of like the obvious top Debbie names. You know, I might I might punt on the the Riscano, Cam Seldon, Quentin Martin, Gavin Sawchuk, Ruben Owens guys and snag a couple of these later guys i think there's almost an equal chance of them you know getting to the nfl and and being productive running backs and and, and in the meantime i'm probably getting some really good uh college production uh one other guy i think that's really interesting um who i have never been like that impressed watching him but kyle manon guy at Rutgers is going rb80 oh. and that's wild i think he should be going like i don't i don't even really love him but i think he should be going before Quite a few backs are ahead of him on this list. Yeah, yeah, that's a good shout um, on, on Manangai. And, you know, with Rutgers, it, it's kind of similar to what I was saying with um, G Knott at Cal. Like, you you know when you can play a Rutgers player, Kyle Manangai, and you know when you can't play him. So there is value in that inherently, um, even if there is, like, variance from game to game. So way, way better than than what you would expect at RB80. Um, and then just kind of a another guy that I think is is going a little too cheap um, right now is, is Lawrence Toafili at, at RB100. Um, you know, he was solidly productive. Yeah, I can't quit him. I can't quit him, man. <laughs> I should have um, known. I yeah. should have just put a Toafili segment in here. He's, he hit solid production last year alongside... Um, Trey Benson and Trey Benson's gone. Now they brought in um, uh, Roy Dell Williams from Alabama. They brought in another guy whose name's escaping me right now, but I don't see any reason why Toafili's role is going to change at all. So, and I think it'll probably expand a little bit as a pass catcher as they lost several other options. Like Jaheim Bell, I think probably took some of the pass catching work that you could have seen out of, out of Toafili and in, in that they used Bell kind of H backy. So, uh rb 100 sign me up i did just want to go backwards for a second here and you were talking about there's a lot of value especially in deeper names as you get deeper into the draft like there there is a lot of value in knowing that there's a player when you can play them and when you can't play them so you're not just leaving a couple of big weeks on the bench every single year and you were referencing kyle Manongai. if you go back and look at his game logs he went over 100 yards against like everybody except for they yanked him early against Wagner, but he still scored a touchdown. Michigan, he yeah. had 27 yards. He had 16 against Wisconsin. And then he had 39 against Iowa and 39 against Penn State. He went for 118 against Maryland, 159 against OSU, 109 Indiana, 148 uh, Michigan State, 143 Virginia Tech, 165 Temple, 163 in the bowl game. Like, There's a lot of value in knowing that this guy probably is going to get his 18 to 22 touches and he's probably going to go over a hundred yards and the touchdown is certainly in play. He doesn't catch passes like at all. So that obviously hurts the floor a little bit, especially in weeks where um, you, 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 you're pretty sure he's not going to go for a hundred, but I, I, there is a lot of value in that. And I actually think that probably makes him a little more valuable. Um, certainly going to have to bake that into my thoughts as I'm uh, re-ranking and moving things around this early in the off season. Yeah. And, and you said he put up like 150 yards against Ohio state. I probably yeah. would have left that one on my bench to be I honest. I probably would have too. We didn't score a touchdown though. So he, he literally just got you like 15 points. Like that's yeah. 
that's a good week. We do our start sits. That would have been a loss. That would have been in that that week. So, um, you know, it's a good week, but without the touchdown upside, still not, uh, you know, an amazing performance when we're talking about college fantasy. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta look where I have him now. I, I feel like I probably am too low on him. Um, I think I have, I think I have him sitting like down. I have like. 10 players that like i just haven't ranked yet and i'm like out there just the names are sitting at the bottom of my pile i think he's in there right now yeah he is yeah i had him as my rb88 that's gonna change that's gonna change so guys that i'm i'm I'm, i I like whenever we do these discussions uh i like to just kind of look and like oh you know what i am probably too low on this guy let me shift him around so these are always helpful for me from a rankings perspective too I will literally never admit that you changed my mind or assisted me, you know, getting to a, a spot on anybody. Um, but it definitely, it definitely could have potentially happened at least once before on this show. So maybe. Okay. Maybe. Um, I'm trying to look at some other just interesting values overall here, Colin, that I want to toss out. Um, I think. I think Gatlin Bear is still really interesting. We yeah. talked about that conundrum last week, so we don't need to talk that much about him. But if you're not that familiar with him, he's he's like a borderline five-star receiver in this year's freshman class who has like legit Nick Carver speed from last year. Faster, um, actually. Oh, he is fast. You're right. Um, he is. And, I wrote his profile for the freshman guide, and he is faster at the same um, event. But you don't hear you don't hear anybody talking about him going to the Olympics. But Nick Harper has zero chance at the Olympics. It's a totally different story. <laughs> um, just the dude just wasting his time out here. Uh, but Gatlin Bear, but he's going on a two year mission, so we, yeah. we literally don't see him play football for two years. Um, so like that's wild. Uh, like I stomaching that one at one ten overall is really really interesting. I do I do think the calculus changes a little bit on supplemental v startup. Um, it just does it just does yeah uh i think we do have to talk tight ends for just a second so that chris i was wondering if we were gonna hit that so tight we technically have deuce robinson still listed as a tight end in our adp Mm -hmm. i would he's going to play wide receiver for the foreseeable future so i would i would discount that the top tight end coming off the board is luke lachey who's got an average adp of 102.3 and i actually again this we've got like our a new mock that's going right now that has not been included in this data yet. I just took Luke Lachey at the 710. So Ooh. what is that? 60, 72 plus 10, 82. So I actually took him a little bit above ADP there um, as the second tight end off the board. Someone took Colston Loveland about a round before that. Um, but I think that's a really, I mean, it's just a sign that like, you know, I don't think anybody feels great about any of the tight ends, but I think that's too cheap. Like if you think Luke Lachey is a second round NFL draft pick, I think I'm probably tempted to take him in the round six or seven range where I just did. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's great value uh, actually for, for Lachey. And, you know, you said tight ends are, uh, it's hard to call a tight end a great value because in terms of like CFF production, like at the pick one Oh two, where you're getting Lachey you could get somebody who's just as good later, but, and it is difficult to project NFL success at the tight end position. I think that a lot of that's dependent on the scheme that they go to at the NFL level. But Iowa has such a strong track record that, yeah, I mean, I, I would feel great about Lachey 
in that range. Um, I'd actually feel probably worse about Loveland, to be honest. Uh, he's a little small to be playing tight end at the NFL level. Um, so, you know, I mean, maybe he can like split out or something like that. But I, I feel less certain about his NFL future and less certain about his CFF future, too. So I think Lachey is a great value there. Yeah, I think um, that's way too cheap for him, assuming it doesn't sound like, you know, I, I think they expect him back from the knee injury. He did it fairly yeah. early in the season. So um, other tight ends that I think are interesting where I think at this time of the year, man, I don't think tight end rankings are ever good, like including my <laughs> own, like including yeah. everybody else's, mm-hmm. the CFF guys, the C2C guys, the Debbie guys, everyone's tight end rankings suck. Like uh, we'll just like, I, it's just a fact of, predicting the position is just really really difficult the recruiting services never get it right it's just it's it's insanely insanely hard to peg some of these guys but one name that i've just like i'm staring at here on the list that i just like want to circle so big is tyler warren tight end 22 Mm. that should not happen colin that should not happen you're hyping up a penn state player he's good he's athletic as heck i you know i'm looking at some of the guys to go ahead of him you know, will he score fewer fantasy points this season than Brant Keithy at Utah? Probably. Will he score fewer points this season than, I don't know, uh, Mason Taylor at LSU? Maybe, but he's half the cost of Mason Taylor. And I think he's probably an equivalent player who the masses just haven't quite caught on yet. And again, this could just be my rankings being bad, but that's why I'd much rather take him at pick 208 than take Mason Taylor at 118. Yeah. Yeah, and I... We'll see what what Tyler Warren ends up being, you know, NFL wise. But Penn State has a track record of putting um, tight ends into the NFL, uh, and I think that you know, if, if there's enough hype around him, given I think it was Dane Brugler had him as his like tight end three or four, um, it, had he ended up declaring in this class as was kind of expected, that I could see there being an NFL future for him too. So. Yeah, I mean, to tight end 22, that's that's great value. I also think just looking, and I think people are drafting on, they're unsure exactly where Fantrax is going to land on this, but Dalvin Smith is tight end. Um, looks like 615 um, overall here. Um, I mean, if he's listed as a tight end on Fantrax and your league's rules aren't changing that, I know... Um, there are, there are folks that advocate that, you know, he's, he's a wide receiver. He should be listed as a wide receiver. I get that argument. But if you're in a league that, that allows that, I mean, why would you be taking Andrew Rappelier over him or Luke Haas or RJ? I mean, RJ Maryland has the same issues that he does. Like he's probably yeah. not a great NFL prospect at the tight end position. RJ Maryland's going 143. Dalvin Smith's going 196. I mean, that that's a, a screaming value there for me. So tight end, tight end 15 there. I'd just be circling that name right now too. Amari Nyblack. Nyblack's a guy that I have never understood the hype for. He was not particularly impressive last year, in my opinion. And now he's going to an offense where he's probably the fifth most talented pass catcher on the team. Like you're, I, you can't sell me Amari Nyblack at this point in the offseason either <laughs> until I hear some just like crazy news. Like Matthew Golden was hit with a bus. Isaiah, like, you know, that Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns has the, the nu- the, the baseball team with the nuclear power plant. And I'm he, not he a gets, Simpsons guy, actually. Oh, it's a very famous episode of the Simpsons. Okay. I would encourage you, even if you don't like the Simpsons to go watch it. It's hilarious. Mr. Burns decides he wants to build this juggernaut. So he signs like Daryl Strawberry and 
um it's like a, just like a ton Daryl strawberry stands <laughs> um, um 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 are they just all former yankees no 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 no. he's um uh, ken griffey jr he's mm. he signs like all these like mid nine mid 90s like stars to the team and then like the day before the game like horrific accidents happen to like all of them individually and it like shows all of them and they like can't play and they get to the game and everybody's injured except for the guy that plays homer's position is essentially so this is uh very very funny but um <laughs> that's kind of what um like would have to happen for nye black to be like super fantasy relevant this season in my opinion like you'd have to have a string of just unfortunate events to happen to like three players for nye black to be a guy that i'd be interested in at all yeah, I agree with that. I don't really see the the Nye Black hype either, personally. Um, but he was at Alabama. He's a name. He's heading to Texas. So people just kind of latch on to names at the tight end position. It's hard to blame him. Like I said, tight end position's tough. But I would also pass on Nye Black there. All right. Um, well, I think that's going to do it for our um check in on the early season adp like i said this is going to be up on the website within the next week or two um we'll go tell our our data guys to get to get on it um get this up so that when drafts start opening up here um everybody uh, is able to check that out no freshman profiles tonight guys because we're dropping 150 on you again on march 1st to so go get your guide today don't wait pre-order it get a couple bucks knocked off there make sure that you have it and you're ready for your drafts this year. We'll see you next week, guys, uh, on, on Campus Life. Until then, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. And have a good one.